Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. G's Power Hour. Yeah. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. I, I, I'm a happy person today. Oh, I try to be happy a lot, but sometimes. You know, devil gets a little bit busy, but we're really happy today because we have back one of our um, all-time favorite and and most informative guests, uh, Mr. Robert Bowden, former executive director of Harry P. Lou Gardens. Good morning, sir. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Sunday night, I don't have to worry about going to work in the morning. It's wonderful. So are, are you retired now? Yeah, I am oh, retired. Oh, perfect. Yep. Perfect, it's been, perfect. Uh, two, about, about two months now. Uh-huh. And um, it's um, probably better than I thought it would be. I was a little worried that I would miss it. Yeah. Um, and um, I miss talking to the guests and mm-hmm. answering their questions, you know, out in the garden, but I really don't miss the rest of it too much. You, you, you've earned the time. You really have. And, and, um, <laughs> and even though you, you've re- retired from the daily grind, we are glad that you, you've um, decided to set aside some time for our, our monthly visit. And so welcome back. We are, are glad to have you. Thank you. So, well, I'm, so let's get still to teach, it. I still, teach, I still teach several classes at Valencia you State do. College. Oh, okay. And I teach I teach about five or six classes every month at the gardens, and you just have okay. to go go to Eventbrite and look at those classes that I'm teaching. And uh, it's uh, there's not cool. nearly as much pressure with that. Yeah, it's fun. I enjoy it. So I'm still teaching a lot, and uh, okay. talk, still talking to talking to friends like you. Well, thank you, sir. Glad you put me in that category. Really appreciate that. Yes, so, ma'am. it's been a minute. So, uh, what what do we need to catch up on? Where, where, where should we be now? What should we be doing? Well, I, um, I know it seems it, it sounds a little silly considering that just a few weeks ago we had, uh, at least in Longwood where I live, uh, we had 14 inches of rain. Oh, wow. And I and I know many people in your listening audience may be underwater, and we're sorry for that. Hopefully, you'll get back on your feet pretty soon. But yeah. for those of us that aren't flooded, you know, this is the beginning of the dry season in Florida. So mm-hmm. on average, we we get 
65 inches a year, and most of that rain comes between May and uh, September. So beginning in October, where we are now, and through April, we get on an average of only two inches a month. And uh, most of the plants that we have here in central Florida and our landscapes can't survive on two inches a month. So I know it Mm. seems odd, given all the rain that we've had lately, but with our sandy soil, you really need the water and uh, uh, continue um, pulling the weeds and watering your plants. You should be planting your vegetable garden now, and this is the time of year to plant everything in your vegetable everything. garden. Oh, joy. Everything. Yeah. Well, that's good to know because I am we've, – we've moved our garden a couple of places in our yard. Um, trying to make sure we get um, good sun and, and everything, and, and the soil just lousy. So, you know, trying to, um, you know, consider raised bed or in ground or whatever. So I'm thinking about moving it again. Um, a little, you know, it's, it's kind of on the south side. But one of the reasons I'm th- also thinking about moving it is because, one, um, just trying to take advantage of, areas where it's kind of sloped so that we don't have to mow those areas because trying to um, pull the lawnmower out of that area, it's, it's kind of, it has that slope. So trying to mow and, and push and pull the lawnmower um, and you don't want to uh, uh, do a riding mower and I worry about, you know, the tilting over possibility. So um, basically just uh, trying to take advantage of those areas where we aren't able to mow that much and um, do gardening in those areas. And the other thing, yeah, like I said, fine. too, is that there are some areas where the soil is quite sandy, and so um, it, it, we've ended up losing some grass in some areas. And so like things that I've tried to do, for example, putting – like stakes in the ground or any type of, of solar lights that have a stake, they don't stay because there's nothing to hold. So, right. Yeah. That's where I'm looking, I'm um, looking. a modified. That's where a modified raised bed would work. Okay. Um, I have a a client uh, that I built uh, some raised beds for mm-hmm. uh, a year or so ago. And it was on a pretty strong slope going into the little Wakaira River. And that's why she wanted a raised bed because it was just too wet to plant vegetables in the existing soil. So she created uh, a, a spot for raised beds. And I, I actually dug part of the hillside out uh, and then built the, the raised bed in that. Um, so it was perfectly level, but on a but on a slope, and uh, mm-hmm. it has been very very successful. Um, uh, she's growing things. Uh, um, it's pretty impressive, you know. She's oh, I don't know how to garden, but uh, boy, she's got some beautiful things in there. So yeah, you wow. can plant plant on a uh, on a slope. Uh, you just mm-hmm. have to dig into the hillside a little bit. And mm-hmm. make sure it's level, and uh, it's really quite attractive. Uh, they have a beautiful home on the little Wakiva, mm-hmm. and they have a chicken coop right next to it, and they have ah. raised beds, and they're just 
they're picking vegetables every night. Oh, well, that's good. That yeah. is so good. Yeah, because God knows the the prices, uh, they won't stop. They won't stop. So you've got to no, do what you can to supplement. Sure. It's, it's a little scary out there. If you go to the – I noticed last week, as an example, <laughs> excuse me, um, mm-hmm. we were looking at – my wife won't let me go to the grocery store anymore because I just complain about how expensive the vegetables are. <laughs> I can grow these for – you know, for three dollars, um, mm-hmm. there was a, a bunch of beets. Right, a, a bunch of beets had three beets in it, and mm-hmm. it was three dollars and fifty cents. Each one of those beets was a dollar a piece. And I'm thinking mm. to myself, I can buy a package of two hundred and fifty seeds of whatever kind of. There's lots of different varieties of beets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can buy two hundred and fifty seeds. For three dollars, yeah. And every one of those seeds is going to come up. It's one yeah. of the easiest vegetables there is to grow. So, you know, I I like growing vegetables not only for the diversity and the flavor and the nutrition. I like it because you can save a heck of a lot of money, and without yeah. a lot of work, if you set it up right. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't take much work. We had no. Nope. I have a garden here that's probably. 40 by 40 next to my house. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think I probably spend one hour a week out there maintaining it. So it's, it's possible you can do it. Well, I am encouraged. I I am going to get back out there. And like I said, I'm thinking about um, moving uh, blueberry plants on clearance at one of those lovely stores. And I'm hoping that maybe I can, um, Give it a little TLC, and, and maybe it will. Uh, they they will, um, you know, provide some some fruit. Maybe before, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll see what happens. So. Well, blueberries. Let me, and we don't want to necessarily talk about vegetables for the whole hour, but blueberries um, require very special care initially okay. for them to grow properly. They grow in acidic bogs and they need ah. a very low pH so pH is, is determines the acidity or the alkalinity of the soil mm-hmm. and because they because they grow in bogs um, blueberries require very very acidic soil so if, mm. if you consider the plants that we grow here in our landscape, uh, mm-hmm. with seven being it goes from zero to fourteen, and seven being neutral, mm-hmm. they like it slightly acidic. So, you know, if the you can test a litmus test, or you can um, have a test done by Cooperative Extension, and they'll mm-hmm. test your pH. Um, and they, the vegetables like it around six to six point five, just slightly okay. acidic. Okay. Okay. Blueberries, on the other hand, blueberries like it very, very acidic. They like it 1,000 times more acidic than the existing soil. Oh, wow. Okay. Good to know. And if you don't, and if you don't give it the acidic soil, they're going to die. Okay. So the, the nurseries... So what do you do? 
to make the soil the more acidic. The nurseries love blueberries because people are okay. always killing them and they keep coming back. You know, they keep coming back and buying more and more. You can okay. do you can do uh, you can do a couple things. Okay. Um, the best thing not to do is plant them in the ground. Okay. Because the soil, you'll never you'll never get the soil acidic enough to grow uh, blueberries. So mm. you can do a couple things. You can buy a a thirty gallon pot. That's a big pot. It's about mm-hmm. half of a whiskey barrel, okay? And okay. they sell whiskey barrels. I saw them at that store where you get your plants on clearance. They sell them there. Okay. And then you fill yeah, it up. You fill it up with fine pine bark. It comes in bags. It's very fine pine bark. And okay. you fill it up halfway with the pine bark and you mm-hmm. take that new that new uh blueberry and you put it on top of the mm-hmm. of the pine bark and then you fill it up the rest of it away with pine bark. No soil. Really? And then you start to water and you water every day. And what you're going to do, you're going to see that the pine bark starts to break down. It becomes okay. uh, more of a compost, okay? Well, as it mm-hmm. breaks down, it releases acid. And that ah. is what the that is what the blueberries like. So mm-hmm. if you if you, have, if you buy a, a half of a whiskey barrel or another pot uh, similar in size, it's about thirty gallons. Um, mm-hmm. That's how you grow blueberries. Okay. And you can also you can also just put them right on top of the ground, and then this um, you probably want to do this in February or March. Uh, you're going to rake up all of your oak leaves, mm-hmm. and you just take the plant out of the pot, and you just put it on top of the ground. And then you take the oak leaves, and you mound it up around that plant. So you're going to mound it up about two feet high mm-hmm. and about four feet wide all the way around. And as the oak leaves break down, they, too, release acid. Right. Um, and that's how the blueberry farmers do it here in Florida. They're, the soil that we have is not acidic, and they have companies that come in and mound oak leaves under, underneath their blueberries, and they're not growing in soil. They're growing in compost created by oak leaves. So uh-huh. don't plant them in the soil. They're going to die. Don't plant them in the soil. How tall do they end up growing? Um, well, you, you know they will get six feet tall. Six but, feet, okay. Uh, you don't want them. You don't want them six feet tall. You want to prune them so you know they're four feet tall out of the ground, so you can harvest them. Okay. So you can yeah. you can you can clip them and keep them short. Mm-hmm. And the the one I recommend is one called emerald. Okay. Emerald is a really really good producer. Now, the other thing about um, blueberries is that they need another blueberry variety to produce blueberries. So emerald is the one that you want to grow. That's going to produce the the nice berries for you. And then Mm -hmm. you just go ahead and buy one of something. It doesn't make any difference 
uh, what variety it is, but you just need another one. And my experience has been when you add an, a, another variety to your planting, uh, you're going to get four to five times the number of berries than you did without them. Okay. All right. So now so by, my question. By, by Emerald. Go ahead. My, no, my other question is, do you know, like a tomato plant, you kind of need a trellis or something for it to uh, help support it. Do you need that with blueberries? Nope. No. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. You sure don't. Good to know. Nope. There. Yep. Now let me tell you what my a neighbor did in my neighborhood. They love blueberries, and uh-huh. um, our most of our property is in uh, the acre and a half to two acres. And on the border of his property, there's no fences. So on the edge of his property, he bought probably 15 of these big 30-gallon pots, containers. Uh And he filled, he dug a hole, 15 holes, and took those pots and, and put them in the ground. So the top of the pot is flush with the surrounding soil. Then he planted the blueberries in there. So along the edge of his property, about every six feet or so, he has blueberries. But the neighbors don't know our soil level, and you can't see them, but the owner has all of his blueberries planted in these pots that contain only pine bark. And he has the most beautiful blueberries you have ever seen. And uh, I'm not sure where he learned to do that, but it works really, really well. It's a lot of work, 15 holes, two and Mm -hmm. a half feet deep and two and a half feet wide. That's a lot of work. But um, they'll they'll live there now for the the rest of his life probably and produce more blueberries than he'll know what to do with. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about post hurricane. How did you how did you fare with the the storm? Oh, fine. Um, you know, there there wasn't a lot of dead wood and branches. Um, we live in Longwood only because. Um, most of it came down in Charlie and Irma, so there isn't a lot ah, left yeah. to come down. But, you know, a few branches here and there. We did have a wooden fence. Uh-huh. Um, our our backyard uh, backs up to the Seminole Wakawa Trail, and it blew oh, yeah. the fence down. Totally blew the oh. fence down. So, uh-huh. And it was an old fence. It's over 30 years old. So I've been spending the last several weeks um, gathering up the wood from the fence, taking it apart, uh, <laughs> hoping that they'll take it, and uh, putting up new fence. Um, 20, 21 sections of fence. Okay. And I'm and I'm doing it myself. That's hard work oh, for an wow. old guy, you know. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to put one up myself. I, I need to put one up because I, I just. Um, 
you know, wanted a little more privacy in my in my backyard and want to do some things in my yeah. backyard and entertain and whatnot. Um, so I, I've been debating on on you know what kind of fence to put up and and all that kind of stuff and I've, I, whether or not to get um, some of those wood looking panels uh, that oh, some yeah. of the stores have or to just go with a, an actual wood fence. I don't want a chain link, um, but I. Sure. I I do do want, um, and I don't know if I want that. Is it PVC or something that that plastic? I'm not sure if I yeah. want that. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what I did. I heard through the grapevine that there are companies that sell used fence. Ah. And so I went to a couple of different companies uh, to see what used fence looked like. I mean, I wasn't expecting a lot. Mm-hmm. But the the board on board fence that I wanted to put up uh, a, a, at the uh, at the trail was one hundred and forty five dollars mm-hmm. a a section times oh, wow. twenty times twenty one sections. Um, oh, that's quite a bit. I don't have. I'm yeah. I'm retired. I don't have that kind of money. Right. So um, right. I I called several fence companies and many of the fence companies actually sell used fence. Oh, okay. And so That's I good got to know. I got used fence for pennies on the dollar and uh all all I had to do was pressure wash them. They looked like brand new and that's what we've been putting up on the trail. Cuz we really don't care how rustic it looks. It's it's facing mm-hmm. the trail. So, that's um, true. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I've been doing. I've been muscling uh, ten foot sections of fence, uh, you know, two, three, four hundred feet away, and putting those up. That's taking up most of my time. Wow. I'd much rather I, be gardening. I, you know. I know. <laughs> I would say. I think. I think I understand that. I. I don't think I'm going to be able to convince my husband to try to put up sections of, of fence when he gets off of work. So I'm going to have to figure out how to get this done. So, What you need but, is a, is a, is a person with a weak, a, a weak mind and a strong back. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know about the weak mind part because I, they may make some mistakes and I'm not sure I want to pay for that. So. But someone with a strong mind wouldn't be, wouldn't want to put it up. It's too much work. Yeah, maybe so. You're right. Yeah. So, so what? What are we planting? What? Are, what kind of things are we planting now? Uh, this you is said everything. Time to be plant to be planting herbs. So uh-huh. you know, you'll be planting uh, cilantro and um, oh gosh, there's a, a long list, but just about mm-hmm. every thyme, basil, oregano. Marjoram, like I said, cilantro. Um, you can grow just about everything this time of year as an herb. And, mm-hmm. and vegetables, gosh, you can grow everything in the vegetable garden now. Um, well, that brings me to another question. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I was thinking about getting some of those, they have, I guess, uh, plant bags or, or, you know, multiple, you can you hang them. Yeah. Because I was thinking yeah. about going vertical, so oh, tell me, are, what are you, what are your thoughts? 
I've I've never had good luck growing um, vegetables in hanging baskets. Oh, okay. I've had I've had very very good luck growing food in large clay pots or plastic uh-huh. pots. Uh, okay. It's just like planting in the ground, but um, there the great news is um, you can move them. So just like you have moved your garden several times because it doesn't get enough light, um, mm-hmm. you can plant your plant your pots with vegetables and herbs and uh, mm-hmm. plant it in what you think is full sun. But then um, you look and say, gosh, you know, this isn't full sun after all. So the great thing about pots, you can just pick them up and put them where it is full sun. So you're not you're not uh, restricted um, to once you plant it, you've got to keep it there. So growing in pots is great. I've never had much luck growing in hanging baskets. Uh, mm. There, there. Um, go ahead. No, I was going to say now. <laughs> I have to say, I was leaning more toward the growing in pots thing until the hurricane came, and then uh-huh. I was I was moving all of those pots into my garage because I wasn't sure right. how they were going to fare if I just left them there, and I didn't didn't want any of them to end up being, uh, and, you know, especially the small ones. But um, but you're so you but you lean more toward pots than than in ground. Uh, I grow in pots more than a hanging basket. Than hanging uh, I like pots. Okay. I like raised beds and I like growing in the ground. I just never had much luck growing in hanging baskets. Now they make a lot I of uh, you know um, the oregano's and the marjoram and the thyme you know all mm-hmm. of those will grow very well in a hanging basket and they'll fall over the edge and you simply you know if you need them you go out and pick some and use it for cooking. Um, but, you know, they have these cascading tomatoes, for instance, these small wow. cherry tomatoes that grow. Uh, I've tried those probably 20 times in my career, and I've never mm-hmm. had a tomato out of a hanging basket. Oh. I've, had, okay. I've had hundreds of them, you know, growing in a in a container, in a big pot uh-huh. with with some of the herbs. So, yeah, I, I I like the pot idea. Um, yeah, you're right. You do have to move them around if bad weather comes, but I think it's worth the effort. Uh, they grow really well, and they have a lot less problem with diseases in the in the pots than they do growing in the ground because they have such good air circulation. You know, thyme and oregano, marjoram. You know, they hug mm-hmm. the ground, and it's really hard to get good air circulation. But if you put them in pots where they're up above and the wind blows through them, uh, you could actually grow many of these things uh, all summer long. So I like pots a lot. They do very well. Okay. Oh, good to know. All right. Well, because like I said, I was after the, the storm, I was like, ugh, <laughs> you know. You know, dragging them back, dragging it in, dragging them back out. But you know, I mean, when you consider we don't have that type of severity that often, that's that's probably just you know going to be one a once in a while type of thing. So, right, yeah. we we call that sweat equity. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> okay. Nothing is nothing is free in this world. 
that's true. That's very true. And we got to remember <laughs> that too. You know, we we just yeah. we we we, uh, we actually just um, don't think that you know we every we try to take the easy way out all the time. And we've got to remember, you know, anything worth having is going to require some work. So we're going to take a quick break. We are here with Robert Bowden, retired executive director of Harry Hulu Gardens in Central Florida. If you have, well, no, we're not taking questions today, but um, if you have questions for the next time he's on, you know, don't don't hesitate to hit us up on the G's Power Hour Facebook page, but we're going to take a break right now. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720, Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Good afternoon and welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we are here with Robert Bowden. And, the, well, like I said, we're not taking calls right now, but don't next month we will, we will, God willing. And so um, I was asking him about, uh, well, a variety of things. Um, you know, I was asking him about some post-hurricane stuff. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Robert, is mulch. There's so much of the many of the limbs and stuff that are down and everything, and I was thinking about, well, gee, why not? <laughs> I told my husband, why not uh, hire, uh, rent a mulching machine or something and go around and you know turn some of these branches or whatever into mulch? Now my question is, I noticed in the stores they sell a variety of types of mulch. Uh, do you have? I noticed, for example, you talked about the pine for the blueberries, but is there a reason that you have different types of mulch and if you do, let's say, take branches down branches and, and um, put them through the mulching machine, are is is the mulch that you get useful? Well, let's start at the beginning and say that mulch is very useful in that it prevents uh, water evaporation, it moderates the soil temperature, so you don't have highs and lows during the day, which the plants don't like. Um, mm-hmm. They um, they uh, uh, keep the uh, soil uh, cool, and um, it, it's just a, a good thing to keep the weeds down as well, so you don't have to weed as much. Um, mm-hmm. Wood chips are a, a great form of mulch. Um, my experience with borrowing or renting the wood chips at these uh, 
rental stores or even a, one of the box stores is that you're very limited on the size of branch that will go through that clip, that chipper. Um, it's a lot of work, and you, you have to make the branches so small to go through that chipper that it's going to be more work than it's worth. So if you have branches and everything, I just put it out and let FEMA pick them up. Now, um, around town, uh, you'll see uh, many uh, tree uh, trimming companies that have truckloads of wood chips in, in, in their in their truck. Now they have very very powerful chippers. They have a mach- many of them have machines that will take. 12 to 14 inch logs and they they pick them up with the tractor and they put them in the chipper and all the wood chips come out the other end um, they have to pay to have those wood chips dumped at the landfill so if if someone stops them and says hey you know at the end of the day um, when you're when you're finished, rather than taking them to the landfill, how would you like to dump them in my yard? And their eyes are going to light up, and they'll say, "Yes, we can do that." And um, those those are great wood chips. Uh, you just have to make sure when you look at them that their chips are not shredded. Uh, some people, um, some of the smaller firms. Uh, we'll try to chip palm fronds and stuff like that. Can't do it. But regular good wood chips and these trimming companies um, are glad to dump them in your yard for free so they don't have to pay for it. So those wood chips are excellent. But it's been my experience with those that you rent, you're not going to get the quality chips and you're going to be working 10 times harder trying to get them small enough to go through the chipper than you would if somebody dumps it in your yard and just put it in a wheelbarrow and take it around your yard. Um, they they're they're really really nice. So I would I would search uh, for see those companies and try to get them to dump it in your yard. Um, that sounds like a plan. If I were to <laughs> yeah, if I were to buy mulch, uh, I guess the my preferred. Um, mulch would be pine straw. They come in bales like straw and hay, and mm-hmm. um, you can you can buy them at the garden centers and I think uh, even the feed stores. Pine straw. And pine straw. It okay. Has a, yeah, it's it's just it's pine needles that come right. out of Georgia and they put them in bales and then they ship them down here and we buy them for about ten bucks a bale. And um, you pull them apart, and you shake uh, the handful and evenly distribute the pine straw, and eventually it'll settle down. It, um, it as it breaks down, it creates a little bit of acid, which all mm-hmm. the plants that we have here uh, growing around us uh, prefer. So it adds a little bit of um, acid to the soil. Uh, it definitely um, prevents evaporation of rainwater or irrigation water, so uh, it, it 
keeps the soil moist, which is what we want. And uh, mm-hmm. it just looks really, really pretty. It just gives the garden a really nice, sophisticated look. And um, it just it just looks good. You'll probably apply that twice a year to your garden. Then there's um, my next favorite would be uh, just uh, wood chips, pine bark, nuggets. Mm-hmm. Not uh, not necessarily the the hardwood chip mulch that you can get that's red or black or brown. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean I I'm partial to the red mulch. I really like it. I mean, and oh, I'll I'll ask another question when you're finished. Go ahead. Yeah, um, that's all. That's all painted. You know, the black oh. and the brown and the red. That's all paint. That's a dye mm. that's yeah. that's sprayed on the, and over time, yeah. that that dye will um, disappear. So you're gonna mm-hmm. have to reapply it. Uh, if you use wood yeah. chips or uh, if you use uh, pine bark nuggets, uh, obviously mm-hmm. they stay brown because that's the color that they are. And uh, right. the nice thing about the pine bark is that it doesn't, when you get a good heavy rain, it doesn't wash away. It doesn't float. Um, oh. Some of the wood, like the chipped wood products, the red and the black and the brown, will, mm-hmm. um, you know, those those will float away. So you have to be careful what you get. Now there are other things like, oh gosh, I hate to even say it, rubber mulch. They take yes. tires. Oh, that's and what they I was going to ask you about they, next. Uh, no, number one, it smells awful, and that and that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was going to say, especially when the heat takes, hits it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's just awful. Um, with all of those, um, you know, they make. The rubber with all those chemicals, um, okay. it can't be good. That cannot be good for the environment, cannot be uh-uh. good for your plants. Uh, so please, please, please don't use rubber mulch. The only thing that's worse than rubber mulch is cypress mulch. Mm. Cypress mulch um, utilizes non-renewable resource in the environment. So... Um, pine or the cypress mulch used was started by um, the cypress companies that create lumber, and they had all of this um, leftovers from that process, and they had mountains of this stuff, and they didn't know what mm. to do with it. And finally, someone came up with a um, an idea that if you put it in bags, the gardeners will buy it. You know, so sure enough, they start putting it in bags, and the and the mountains of this stuff disappeared. But there was the demand for the product was still there. They had created demand. So now what they do, they actually go into the wetlands and harvest cypress trees. Now that is a non-renewable resource. You never, ever see anybody out in the swamp planting cypress trees. So, And the cypress trees grow in areas that provide our drinking water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, from an environmental point of view, you definitely don't want to use cypress mulch. 
The other part is that it's really not good for the plants. You know, we talk about the wood chips and we talk about uh, the pine straw. Um, Those will break down over time and add organic matter to the soil. The cypress mulch does not break down. And I guess that's one of its um, positive, if you'd call it that, is that it doesn't mm-hmm. break down and you don't, you don't uh, have to apply it as often. But because it doesn't break down, it, it starts looking a little rough, a little ratty after a mm-hmm. year or so. And let's say hypothetically you have a, a son that's graduating from high school and you're going to have a, a party over at the house. Well, you're going to try to freshen the yard up a little bit. You're going to sprinkle a little bit of cypress mulch on top of the cypress mulch that you already have. Oh, that looks really nice. And then a year or so later, it's your 25th wedding anniversary and you're having a party. So you're going to sprinkle some cypress mulch out there again. Well, the cypress mulch (laughs) doesn't break down. And the depth Mm. of that mulch gets deeper and thicker and thicker. And eventually uh, you can have mulch that's four or five inches thick. Your the water and the nutrients, the, the fertilizers that you apply can't reach the roots. And so when I just as an example, when I moved into my house, I had Aztec uh-huh. grass growing in my in the front of my house and it wasn't doing very well. And I, I dug around a little bit. I dug down four inches, still had cypress mulch. Another two or three inches, still cypress mulch. Well, eventually I got down to it. That cypress mulch was five inches deep. Oh, no. And so what I did was to remove all of that cypress mulch, put it in plastic bags, take it to the landfill, and then I came back to my plants, and I, I cut them back. This was Aztec grass. Cut it back and then apply uh, a little fertilizer and then put pine straw down. And then as the Aztec grass started to grow, it would come up through that uh, pine straw, and it looks beautiful now. But it wasn't getting water. It wasn't getting nutrients. So please, please, please don't use cypress mulch. It's just awful, awful stuff. But mm, wood chips, wow. uh, pine bark, pine bark, or pine needles all work really well in the garden. Good to know. Good to know. Well, we're going to take our final break, and then we come back. Uh, just wanted to kind of get a little more of an idea in terms of uh, what we should be planting. And also, and I'm glad I asked you about the vertical gardening. I wanted to ask you about the the type of, I guess, the hydroponic uh, gardening, I think, that Disney does. And I was going to ask you, uh-huh. you know, a little bit more about that. So we're here with Robert Bowden, and this is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you. 
With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are here with retired executive director of Lou Gardens, Robert Bowden. And um, like I said, I wanted to ask you about going vertical uh, a little bit uh, with the hydroponics. Have you done any of those? And and is it difficult to do a hydroponic garden? Um, That's one thing I have not tried. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people do it. Um, it mm-hmm. seems fairly easy to do. Um, oh, okay. There are there are wonderful um, guides produced by the University of um, Florida um, through the um, uh, Master service? Gardener program or the Extension oh, okay. Service, and um, they have really nice. Uh, printed guides um, that you can uh, it's it's it seems to be quite easy um, mm-hmm. and uh, they're uh, very very productive um, my my look at it is that there's you know chemicals involved and I never did very well in chemistry and you know you plant plants in the ground and they're going to grow um, there, mm-hmm. has to, there has to be some sort of nutrients provided uh, in mm-hmm. the water that helps the lettuce and the other plants grow, but I'll be darned if I know what they are. So, okay. Uh, no, I've never done it, but uh, it appears to be a fairly easy thing to do, um, mm-hmm. and there's good pamphlets through a cooperative extension service online that, that will give you guidance for that. Okay, so it does seem though it might be a bit pricey then um, if you're going to do something like that. So well, uh, I guess I got to look into it a little more. I remember I remember seeing a video that was produced by Cooperative Extension, and it mm-hmm. required uh, a um, two by eight thick boards, ten feet long, and then they lined that with uh, six mil plastic and basically hmm. it was a, a an eight inch deep pool swimming pool then mm-hmm. they took a, a, a four by eight uh, piece of styrofoam that was about an inch and a half thick or two inches thick and they drilled holes in it um, I don't I don't know how many maybe ten one way and 50 the other way, and then um, they would take styrofoam cups and drop into the holes, and they'd have like a little wick in the bottom of the cup that would absorb the water, so this big piece of styrofoam was floating on top of the water, and then they would stick styrofoam cups with little cotton wicks in the bottom, and the you would simply take 
um, that that like a lettuce plant and put in those styrofoam cups, and the roots then would go into the water and get their nutrients. And uh, it looked really easy. Um, I just didn't have a space that was full sun um, where I could put something that was four by eight um, that the bears and other animals wouldn't mess with in my yard. Pretty easy from what I saw. Okay. Good to know. Yep. So we're we're coming up on the holidays. Um, yeah. We know that um, gourds are very popular around this time of year. Um, do, you, do you have any recipes, any recipe that you want to share with us? Uh, anything to do with <laughs> those lovely gourds? Um, you kind of caught me off guard because I have a lot of them. Um, oh, wow. I, I, I have to tell you, my my favorite is um, the butternut squash, and I make a, a, a butternut soup with uh, fresh ginger, um, and it's amazing, absolutely amazing. And if you've never grown or never had fresh ginger out of the ground, uh, it's absolutely, totally different from uh, the ginger that you get from the store. The the stuff you get from the store is very pithy. It has a real strong flavor, uh, and um it has it's sort of woody inside the fresh ginger um is just the opposite it has a very thin skin i mean paper thin so when mm-hmm. you harvest it you dig it out of the ground you cut off just a piece you don't have to dig up the whole plant and you just mm-hmm. and you can grow it in pots too very very easy to grow in pots and so the ginger you just chop off a piece cut the leaves off, and then wash it, and then chop it all up. You don't have to peel it or anything. And I've used it in soups like this butternut squash soup with fresh ginger. Um, it It is wonderful. I made it one year for Thanksgiving, and all of my children and their significant others, um, you know, at the end of the day, they were licking the pot. Um <laughs> So butter, wow. butternut squash is great. And, of course, acorn squash with a little bit of honey and brown sugar um, in the oven, uh, you just can't beat that. Um, simple is better, I think, when you deal with squash. But that, that uh, butternut and ginger soup uh, is pretty nice. Okay, I'll have to try that. But I hadn't thought about the... Um, the honey and brown sugar with the uh, squash. So I will have to take yeah, a look at that. Yeah, you, you cut the acorn squash in half, and you mm-hmm. take the seeds out, and then you um, you bake it. You can do it in the microwave. Just mm-hmm. doesn't have the same. It just doesn't taste the same as, as right. it would if you put it in the oven for forty five to forty five minutes to an hour. Uh, it's just so good that way and you know we're we're spoiled we can have butternut squash and uh, all the different kinds of squashes year-round so Mm -hmm. it's just the holidays but um, I guess it's it's uh, 
what we usually eat this time of year. So, yeah, try the butternut yeah. soup. You're going to like it. Butternut soup. Okay. Now, I have a question about eggplant, and I think I've asked you before at least part of this question, but uh, eggplant, number one, do you peel it? Do you not peel it? Uh, number two, and I guess the number two should be number one, how to tell when it's ripe without it going overboard. So um, you're probably talking about the standard um, sort of teardrop-shaped black right. or purple eggplant. And mm-hmm. um, as long as you can pick it, uh, early you can pick it when it's mature, but you must pick it while the skin is still shiny. Okay. Once it once it starts to go flat or not have that shiny look, it becomes very very brittle. So that's something that you uh, you want to stay away from. So harvest them when uh, um, when they're shiny, and even in the store when they're shiny. Um, okay. When you grow eggplant and you want to harvest them, it's important that you don't pull uh, the fruit off the plant. You have to use a knife or a pair of clippers. Um, They are Hmm, really stuck on there. And if you just pull them uh, either up or down or sideways, um, you're going to damage the plant. So uh, take a moment, go in the kitchen, get a good knife or a pair of clippers in your garage, and harvest the uh, uh, um, eggplant that way. Uh, eggplant is has a lot of moisture inside, so uh, if you're using it for eggplant parmesan and things like that, you do not mm-hmm. need you do not need to peel it, but okay. you do need to drain you do need to drain them. It doesn't okay. seem like there's moisture in there, but they're filled with water. Not as much okay. as the watermelon, of course, but they, they're filled with water. So you cut them in the three-quarter-inch slices that you usually use. And uh, even if you're making ratatouille, you want to chop them up and then place that in a strainer and uh, let it drain for an hour or so. Uh, you might oh. even sprinkle a, little, sprinkle a little salt over the top of it mm-hmm. to, to get it really going. And then uh, go ahead and use it in your recipes. But uh, make sure they're shiny and uh, make sure that you drain them before you use them in the recipes. There's a, It's called ratatouille, and uh, it's uh, made of eggplant and several other uh, vegetables that you can get. And you can use it warm or cool and use it as a dip on crackers and things like that. It is outstanding. So... Um, might be might be a good um, a good thing to eat while you're watching the movie Ratatouille. Okay, sounds like a plan. Um, yep. I know the last time you were on, I think it was the last time or the time before, we kind of was doing like the ABCs and I think of um, uh, herbs and plants and stuff. And I think we uh, are vegetables, and I think we kind of went halfway through, so we're going to have to get back to that. But I, I do have one last question before we go. And that is, when do you use dried herbs versus fresh herbs? Is there a preference? Um, does the dish determine it? Fresh is always better. 
Fresh is Period. always better. Period. Always. Now, um, the the sort of a halfway of that is to freeze your herbs. So uh, mm. if you have basil or you have rosemary or marjoram or oregano or any of the other herbs, um, you can um, freeze them. So um, you can harvest all the basil, you hire the full, the full stems and freeze them. Uh, my mm-hmm. my daughter-in-law uh, takes chives and uh, puts them in a little bit of water and freezes mm-hmm. that, and she uses them all year long that way. So you can freeze okay. them. You can you can also um, it's not freeze dry, but you can take things like basil and mm-hmm. marjoram and thyme and put them in the microwave, and you can you can remove. Um, the moisture from the leaves that way and then store them in a sealable, um, you know, pressure sort of jar and they'll last Mm -hmm. a very long time. But that's sort of intermediate between, um, you know, what you can get fresh out of the garden and uh, what you can get at the store. And But you can make your own dried herbs using the microwave. Do not try to do onions or chives because you're just going to end up with this big green glob in your microwave, but everything yeah. else works pretty well. <laughs> so, um, the, okay. So I was going to ask about the herbs in terms of whether you chop them before you freeze them or you, uh, you, does it matter? Well, with the chives, um, you're going to add a little bit of water and you could do it either way, but it's just quite honestly, it's, more convenient to chop them up the way you want to use them ultimately and then freeze them. And then when you get ready to use them, you just take them out. So that's a super easy way to do it. And uh, I like, like with the basil and the thyme and the oregano, uh, mm-hmm. I usually, I usually um, put those in a microwave and uh, it sucks all the water out and you're left with a really nice, pseudo fresh herbs because they came out of your garden and they'll they're right. probably good for um, six to nine months that way. Okay. Yeah. Robert, welcome back. Thank you so much. And you take care. Um, have a blessed day. Thank you for coming back. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Have a good day. You too. Um, and I guess uh, for you, go Rattlers. Uh, we know that's coming up. Rattlers, that's right. <laughs> Rattler in the house. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. And thank you all for being with us. This has been Dee's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, Dee. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and um, don't forget to vote. We're going to talk about that some more later. Please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. <laughs>